there going through that door. So all the kids head right through that door right there, if you would. Thank you, Pastor Luke. Let me, uh, let me just, uh, I have a little announcement the ladies told me I had to say or they would, it would hurt me later on. So uh, everybody is, as Pastor Cliff said, everybody's invited to stay for a time of fellowship and the food, a lot of food over there, so I hope you'll stay. But we want you to know also that there'll be seating both in the fellowship hall and out on the patio. So if you need to be in an air-conditioned place, there's that. If you need the sun, we'll have that for you also. See, we're all accommodating. That's just the way we are. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 22. I hope that you have been doing your your, uh, work through uh, the study book that we handed out to you a few weeks ago and that you are growing in your faith, and that uh, God is showing you new things through the book of Genesis, maybe things you've never seen before. Certainly in the sermon series, it's not my intent to cover all the material that's there. You know that. With the, I think the men are on Genesis in our Wednesday morning Bible study. I think we've been there for like almost three years, so you know, it takes forever. I don't know, I don't know if it's them or me. We'll, we'll figure that out someday. But I, wanna, I want us to continue. Last week we began looking at, at, at Abraham, and we talked about the beginning of his journey of faith, moving to the place where God actually changed Abraham's name and Abraham's identity and, and, and entered into a covenant promise with Abraham. Now today we're going to continue the story of Abraham, and this is probably the most familiar part of Abraham's life that, that most of us know. But I want us to approach it from this perspective. These things are in my way, and I might run into them. So it's important for us to know, and I want you to hear this. You don't hear anything else this morning. It's important for us to know that God is our provision. I want you to know something, church. It's not just a matter of that God provides, though he does. But so often when we approach this truth as God is the one who provides the things that we either want or we need, we turn God and our relationship to God into this kind of utilitarian relationship. So when he gives us what we think we want and what we think we need or what we think we deserve, then somehow God is a great, loving, caring God. But when life happens and and things happen in life that, that do not always seem to fit our scenario, and, and we don't seem to get everything that we think we ought to get, or, or all the things we want, or again, all the things that we deserve, then somehow God has let us down. And that we get to that place when we, again, when we turn God into this, uh, I've said in one of my writes, he, he's not this cosmic genie in the sky just waiting for us to ask for something so he can zap it into existence. God is working among his people, and I believe he always has been working among his people, so that we might move to the place where we literally and actually see that God himself is our provision. And that if we have God, regardless of whatever else goes on in life, regardless of whatever the situation and circumstances are, if we have God through his son Jesus Christ, then we have everything that we need. I pray God would help me move to that place of faith as I walk and as I journey. And in our story today and in our passage today, Abraham is going to learn this, this, this truth. 
Abraham is on his journey of faith. I tell the different Bible study classes that I teach, uh, be very careful that you don't turn these guys in the Old Testament into superheroes. We have a tendency to do that with these guys. But you know what? They were just men and women just like you and I. God spoke to them and God spoke in their life and, and they had to respond to what God was saying. But I guarantee you they had every struggle that we have. I guarantee you they had the doubts and they had the, the wonderings. They were real people in real time dealing with real life issues and having to, having to consider what does my faith mean in this? And you know what I'm talking about. We live there, don't we? We, we deal with things and we, and we look at things and we, and we ask God, God, what does my faith mean as I'm going through this? And if we're, if we're completely honest, there are times when we say, God, I really need you to help me today because in this situation, I don't have any faith. I don't know how to respond to you. I don't know how to receive what's going on in my life. God, I don't know where this is going, but I do know God. I do know you. And if that would be true in our lives, then we would move to the place. We'd move beyond that, again, that surface knowledge or that surface experience with God where he merely is this God up there who does things for us to the place where he turns into the God who is, who is everything for us. Can you imagine what the church would be like if we, if we could just grasp that truth? You, you, can you imagine how we would live in the days ahead, no matter what the days held for us, if, if, we, if we realize that truth, if we believe that truth? Wherever the world goes, God is still God. Whatever happens in my life or my friend's life or my family's life or my church life, God is still God. He is still the God who provides. He is the God who is my provision. With that in mind, let's read the passage this morning. Look with me at verse 1 of chapter 22, and we'll read through verse 14 today. Here's what it says. Now it came to pass after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here am I. Then he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose up in the early morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and he said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself. I want you to get that whole text there. God will provide, not just provide, but God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then it came to the place of which God had told them. 
And Abraham built an altar there, placed the wood on the altar, and he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the, on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, Here am I. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. And it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are our provision. And everything is supplied to us in your son, Christ Jesus. Give us insight today as we're on our journey of faith and as things happen all around us things we cannot explain saying things we would not want to happen yet lord you are our provision in all these things bring us to the place where that's a reality not just something we read in your book as wonderful as that is but something that's a reality in every area and every aspect and every situation and circumstance of our life i pray this in jesus name amen I want you to look with me this morning just for a few moments as we look at this passage. And I want us to think about God being our provision. And in that provision, what he does for us, like he did for Abraham. I cannot fully explain to you what's going on here. Except clearly, God is giving a, a, an Old Testament picture of what he is going to do for mankind. Abraham, God is using Abraham and Abraham's walk of faith to demonstrate for us what God would provide. You know, as God said, Abraham, take your son, your only son. John 3.16 reminds us, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He took Isaac to Mount, a mount called Moriah, not by coincidence, it wasn't just some place they went to. Because a couple thousand years later, there was someone else on that same mountain. There was someone else on that mountain. But the mountain didn't have the same name at that time. The mountain in that time was a mountain called Calvary. And where God promised Abraham that he would provide for himself, God provided for himself himself. He died upon that cross, on that mountain where Isaac was spared. But there was no replacement for Jesus. There was no one else who could go to that cross other than Jesus. And the father who had said to Abraham prior to this time, take your son, your only son, and offer him, now has taken his son, his only son, and his son has been offered for our sins. Praise God. Once and for all. The sacrifice has been made. Once and for all. The sacrifice has been received. And now for anybody and everybody. Praise God. 
Doesn't matter your ethnicity. Doesn't matter your background. Doesn't matter your bank account. Doesn't matter anything. Doesn't matter where you've been. Doesn't matter where you haven't been. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter how good you are. Doesn't matter how bad you are. For anybody who will trust in God who is our provision, His Son, Jesus Christ, we can know forgiveness of our sin and we can know we have everlasting life. Amen? What a great promise that God has for us. As we look at this account, I want you to see with me some things that have to do with God's provision. And as he spoke these things to Abraham, wherever you are now, I really want to take this story off the pages of the book, and I want, I'm asking the Holy Spirit that he would implant it in your heart and in your life. So wherever you are now, whatever you're going through now, to know that God who was Abraham's provision in all things, he is your provision in all things. How does he do this in our life? We're using Abraham today, but I, I think I can show you several times in the Scripture he does the same thing over and over and over again. And, I, and I, I believe if I ask some of you to stand up and testify to what God has done in your life as you've gone through things, once again, the story would be the same. Because our God is consistently good. Our God is, he is, he is our eternal provision. And he is fully everything that we need him to be at all times. We just need to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, open up my understanding to your presence. Open up my, 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 my mind, if you will, to the reality of what you're doing in my life right now. And Lord, help me to trust you to be my provision. So how does God provide in us? How is he as our provision? The first thing I want you to see, you see it here in verse 1 and 2. This is not the first time God had told Abraham to go somewhere. And I, th- I, I, I sincerely believe that God provides instruction on where we should go when God tells us to go somewhere and when we listen to him. How do you know what God's will is for your life? There needs to be a, a willingness on our part to listen to him. What we usually do as human beings, though, is we usually decide what we want first. Am I telling the truth today? We usually decide what we want first, and then because we're Christian, we're going to tag God at the end. I, you know this new fangled stuff called tagging? I, I, I still don't know how to do that on Facebook. You put this little tag, for those of you who are not, those of you who are like me, computer illiterate, you can put these little tags down at the bottom. I don't know where they come from. I see people putting them down. I don't know how to put them there. I don't know if I really want to. But they're down there. They're, they tag things. Okay? When we, when we think about, when we think about God's direction for us, God wants to God wants to not be a a tagline in our life after we've already made our decision for what we're going to do. We're infamous for that. We Christians, the church, we come up with ideas, and then we get on our knees and we say, God bless it, and we only stay on our knees for a few moments because we don't want to spend too long there. And and, and once we've said that, we say, well, now we're walking in faith. Now we're walking in faith because we've decided something. We've asked God to bless it. Now how can it not fail? And then we sit back and look, wow, it failed. Why did it fail? Well, you know, God provides and God is our provision, not only in 
all things in life, but, but particularly in where we should go. God will give us instruction where we ought to be going as the people of God. Too many churches, too many Christians live in existence of just spinning their wheels. They're not getting anywhere. They're not going anywhere. They're not doing anything. We just exist day after day and week after week. But if we would be sensitive to the voice of God in the same way that Abraham was sensitive to the voice of God, God would tell us where to go. God would give us instruction. Every day, I believe, if we would have the ears to listen, God would have direction for us on where we should go. And in the midst of where we're going in obedience to him, I believe he's going to put things in our life, in people even, that we might be able to share the good news with. But there needs to be a willingness on the part of the children of God, like there was for Abraham, to first of all listen to God. And to go where God has told us to go. God will provide instruction. If you think about it, it's all part of, the, of what the, Jesus promised when he promised the Holy Spirit to those who, who were his disciples. Remember what he said? Something like this. He says, I'm going to leave you. And he actually says, you know, it's actually better that I leave you. Because if I leave you, I will send to you the Holy Spirit. And guess what he'll do? He will guide you into all truth. If you are a born-again child of God today, you have the Holy Spirit who resides in you. Can I ask you this? And I, and I don't want to be accusatory. I just want to ask you, when's the last time you listened to him? When's the last time you listened to him? Is he just this nagging voice in the back of your head somewhere? That you've learned, guys, I'll just say it to you, like your wife, not to listen to? You know, they think, they think we guys have this little knob that when our wife starts talking, we can turn that off. Is that true? No. Thank you, David. David, brave man. <laughs> I think we do that to God. Don't you think so? Don't you think you do that to God sometimes? When God wants to speak into your life, when God wants to, to direct your path, when he wants to take you to places that, that, that he needs you to be and he wants to use you in, don't you think sometimes we've, we've learned to turn that little knob off? We don't listen. God will literally provide the direction for each path that he's called us to if we will listen to him. We think it's extraordinary that Abraham listened to God here and found out where God wanted him to be. I don't believe it ought to be an extraordinary event. I think it ought to be the ordinary event for every child of God. Are you where God wants you to be because God told you to be there? I don't know. Does God really want me here? Ask him. And then listen. Quite literally, you and I have something that Abraham didn't have. We have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And he's ready to tell us. I'm convinced that the Holy Spirit of God wants to tell me more than I'm willing to hear. 
There has to be a willingness to receive. God provides instruction on where we should go. If we will but listen. Abraham listened to God. You see that there in verse 1 and 2. And, and, and what, what God had to tell him was not, not an easy thing for him to receive, but he was ready to listen to God. His faith walk was such that he was ready to hear from God and to find out where God wanted him to go. The next thing I want you to see in this passage is, not only is God ready to tell us where we need to go, but God provides direction on how we should get there. Verses 3 through 8 that I read to you earlier. All of those things that Abraham did, God was intimately involved in those things. Here's where we're going. Here's how far we're going. Here's how we're going to get there. Here's what we're going to take. We're going to take the wood and we're going to take the fire and we're going to take, we're going to take the donkey and we're going to take Isaac and we're going to take the servants to a certain point. But when we get to a certain point, those servants have to stay back because from then on, it's just about God and Abraham and Isaac. God not only tells us where we should go, church, if we will listen to him, but God will tell us how we should get there. We think faith is hearing from God say, Got it, God. I'll see you later. It really is the way I was raised in the church. It really is the hardest thing for me personally. Because I like to hear from God in prayer. And then I like to say, okay, God, let me go do this for you. And then somehow I leave God back here somewhere. God doesn't come up with the ideas and say, now, work it out, church. God is intimately involved in the idea of where we should go, and he is involved in a process of how we should get there. Now, I know there are a lot of different books you can read out there. You certainly can read, read the different uh, the secular, secular writings and stuff out there of how you can accomplish things well, how you can be successful, how you can how you can get things done, how you can influence people, how you can do all these things. The world has all these ways written down for us. And you can get you can get the book, and, and a lot of people don't like to read books anymore, so you can get the CD. You can listen to the CD. You have someone tell you what those things are. And you might say, well, Pastor, don't we have the Bible who tell that tells us how? Yes, but I would say to a certain point. I believe the Bible reveals God's heart. And we get to learn and know about God and his nature and his character and, 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 and what he does and what's to do in our life. But I also believe that God gave us the gift of prayer and intimacy with him. So that we don't walk away from him. So that when he says, here's where I want you to go, my child, or here's where I want you to go, my church. He's not sending us out on an assignment to accomplish so that we can come back and say, here, Lord, we, we've accomplished this for you. When he says, go, he goes. One of the clearest illustrations is a verse that you guys know very well. It's in the book of Psalms. And the number of that psalm is 23. Psalm 23. What's it say? Someone tell me out loud. What's it? How's it begin? The Lord is my what? The Lord is my what? 
He is my shepherd. You'll never see a shepherd say to a flock of sheep, go to it. I'll catch you when you're done. You want to know why? One of the reasons why is because that shepherd knows those sheep will be scattered all over the place. They'll, they'll, they'll get lost. They'll get in trouble. Listen, they'll get lost. They'll get in trouble. They'll bring harm upon themselves. Listen, does that sound like anything familiar to you? Sounds to me like the Western church. A bunch of sheep that are out there trying to do what they have been called to do, neglecting the voice of their shepherd, and then wondering why nothing's working. Why are we be, why are we lost? Why are we being hurt? Do you hear what I'm saying? This event with Abraham is such a lesson for me as your pastor. There's not a day, there's not a moment, there's not a time that I do not need and you do not need the guidance and the leadership of the Holy Spirit, the Lord who is our shepherd. A good shepherd would never, ever leave his sheep to go out on their own. And our God is the good shepherd. That's what Jesus said. My father is the good shepherd. Perfect shepherd. We need to listen to our God who provides where we should go. And we need to listen to our God who will, who will provide how we are to get where we are to go. There's not a decision that ever should be made in this church that, that should be made apart from the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God. I don't care what committee you're on. I don't care what ministry you're on. I don't care uh, your position, your standing, your, whether you're a pastor or whether you're not a pastor. Notice I don't use the term layperson. I hate that term. I'll just say that. Just get that down. You're all ministers before God. But there's not a thing that we should make decisions on that's not led by the Holy Spirit of God. Now, let me ask you this. Is that true of First Baptist Church? I can tell you. At least from the position of pastor, that's not always true. And I would almost guarantee it's not always true in your areas of ministry here in this church too. We so easily say it's what God wants that matters. But then we make the decision and then put God's name to it. Wherever God has called you to serve, whatever God has called you to do, it needs to be led of the Holy Spirit of God. Because it's not only God who's taking you somewhere, it's God who's teaching us how and leading us how to get where he wants us to go. Shows Abraham. Abraham, go here. Abraham, here's how you get here, and here's what you take with you, and here's what's going to happen. And then we come to the next portion here. Verses 9 through 12 tells us that we have a God who provides guidance on what we should do when we get there. The story of Abraham. Going to get there. He leaves the servants behind. He goes to the place where God said. He got to the place under God's direction. Now he's at that place. And now God says something that's incredible. My mind and my heart and my spirit cannot fathom what God is about to say to Abraham. Abraham, take your son. Take your one and only son, Isaac. And sacrifice Isaac to me. What's incredible to me is how contrary this is to who God is. 
What's going on here sounds nothing like the God of the Bible. Would you agree with that? What's actually going on here sounds more like a pagan thing happening. You say, well, Pastor, how do you reconcile that? And I say, Brother, I don't know if I can reconcile it completely. I don't understand. Except that God had already provided. Except that God was going to use Abraham, the father of faith, as it were, to give us a picture of what our true father would eventually do in sending his son. And we sit here and we say, how incredible it is for God to ask Abraham to do this for us. But can't you see, church, how incredible it is for God himself to do it for us? God gave Abraham directions on what to do. And I'm sure so many things are running through Abraham's mind. The writer of Hebrews seems to indicate that somehow Abraham believed that, that God would raise Isaac back from the dead. I think you read that in the book of Hebrews, it talks about that. I'm thinking about that, and I'm thinking, okay. That wouldn't help me in that moment when I have that knife above my child's head. You see the incredible faith that Abraham must have had in God? Are we as a church willing to follow God and to do whatever he tells us to do? Don't we usually make decisions in the church of what we're comfortable with? And if God asks us to do something outside of the norm, outside of our comfort zone, we say, that can't be of God. It's funny how we evaluate God. God, I'm going to, this will put me out a little bit, God, so I'm, I'm sure it's not of you. This is going to hurt a little bit, so it can't be of you. This is going to cost me something, so it can't be of you. God, you have other people that could do this. Other people who are more gifted, more talented. You know what? In the church, if everybody had the attitude I'm, that I'm not going to do something because there are people more gifted, more talented than I, you know what? The truth is nothing would ever get done in the church. Ever. Because most of us have lived long enough to learn there are always people out there that are smarter than we are, that are better speakers than we are, that are better at service than we are, that, that have more talents and gifts than we are, than, than we have. You've heard it before. It's not, it's not your ability that God's looking at or looking for. It really is your availability. It's an amazing thing what God can do with someone who has a heart that says, Lord, use me. And who really means it? Because he may put you in that bed baby nursery. Or he may put you in team kids. Or he may put you singing the solo. Or he may put you loving on a teenager. He may put you somewhere that you never thought was about you. And I guess that would really be the point, wouldn't it? It really needs to stop being about us and what we're comfortable with and start listening, once again, listening to God. God, where do you want me to be? I trust you, I'm going to go there. Lord, how do you want me to get, get there? I'm going to trust you step by step as you lead me and guide me. Then, God, what do you want me to do when I'm there? Whatever you want me to do, God, I am totally and completely available to you. It really is past time for the church to stop making evaluation of what we're going to be involved in and how we're going to be involved in those things based upon our comfort, based upon our, 
our little paradigm of what we think we can do and what we can accomplish. You understand this? If we'd get past that, we would step from the natural, the natural, the flesh, what the flesh can do, and we would we'd take our first step into the supernatural. What God does. And isn't that where we want to be? I mean, deep down inside, isn't that where we want to be? There has to be a willingness to trust the voice of God. To go where he says to go. To get there how he says to get there. And then to do what he instructs you to do once you get there, even if you can't figure it out. And in my 30 plus years of being a pastor, there are so many things that I still haven't figured out. God, why'd you do that? I don't understand. And in those moments with just me and God that, that, that I don't want anybody else to hear, there are times when I said, God, you shouldn't have done it that way. I know none of you have ever done something like that. You've never said anything like that to God. Just, you know, just those of us can dodge the lightning bolt a little bit better. I don't know what it is. But in all honesty, we're there. We need God to speak. But the truth is, church, he is speaking. So it's not so much that we need him to speak. It's we need to have ears that will hear. Maybe that's why in the seven messages to the seven churches in the book of Revelation, Jesus said seven times, those who have ears, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. You don't have to say that to people who are already hearing. You don't have to say that to people who are already listening and receiving. And again, it's not like when your spouse says, are you listening to me? You say, oh, yeah. Biblical listening always requires a response. And that response always brings a change. Because it's faith. And faith is always demonstrated by action, not just by acknowledgement. So we come down to the last thing here in this passage. Abraham goes where God tells him to go. Abraham goes as God tells him to go. And Abraham is willing to do what God tells him to do. In the midst of his obedience, God stops the hand of his servant Abraham and God provides. And in the declaration of God himself, he says to Abraham, Abraham, I know, I know, basically, that you're a great man of faith. Now listen, here's what I know. God knew that about Abraham before this whole event ever happened. Because there's nothing beyond God's knowledge. Everybody got that? But I believe God was showing Abraham. And I believe God was showing us. What it means to be a people of genuine biblical faith. And sadly, when I look at my own walk at times, I say, boy, I'm so far away. I'm so far away. But here's what I want you to get before we close out this morning. There's not a thing that God has called you to as his child that he is not also the provision to accomplish what he's called you to. You hear what I'm saying? 
God, again, is not acting, asking you or demanding you to do for him to prove. God is calling us to trust him completely. And in that trusting him completely, he is the provision for everything that he will ever call us to. So when God calls you, he's already provided. And what is the provision? He himself. God is speaking to his church today the same way he spoke to Abraham in that day. And God is providing everything in himself that we need to be his church in this day. Now, I can't stop without considering the reality of verse 14. Where Abraham called God by a name. He called him... The Lord will provide. You know a little song, Jehovah Jireh. That's exactly what that means. It's, it's kind of a slang. I don't know if that's really good Hebrew or anything like that, but, you know, kind of a slang. But what it does teach us is that God is our provider. And God is our provision. And this whole passage moves us now 2,000 years ago for us to the hill where God provided everything that man would need in his son Jesus Christ. Where nothing stayed the hand of the Father to punish the Son on our behalf. You and I read Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, and it's clear that the prophet speaks of the reality that Jesus the Son, the Messiah, faced the wrath of his Father on our behalf. The Old Testament picture of Abraham the father holding the knife about to kill Isaac the son. God stays the hand, but you need to understand, at Calvary, the father punished the son because of me. And because of you. Because if that did not happen, there would be no provision for our sin. And we would be lost in our sin. It is literally true for every child of God. Jehovah Jireh. God is our provider. In Jesus Christ, he has provided everything we need to know the forgiveness of sin. Let me tell you what's universally true. What's universally true? I'm going to come down here. Every person in this building is a sinner. What I mean by that is, there's not a person in this building that's not guilty of sin against God. Every one of us. Every one of us. So none of us can stand up and say, hey, look how good I am. Look how righteous I am. I've got it all together. That's why I'm here. God chose me. He, he picks the best. The reality is we're all sinners. And apart from God's provision, we would die in our sin and spend eternity in hell. But God the Father, in His great love, did not withhold His, his own hand. But He struck His Son. 
and he and he punished his son. Not because his son did anything wrong. But because of me. Because of you. Because of those lost people in Fountain Hills who need to hear the voice of God again to go where he tells us to go. To go as he has told us to go. And to do out there what he's already told us to do. And that's not for a few. That's for every child of God here. Do you get it, church? Do you understand? We're not better than those people out there. We're not more loved of God than those lost people out there. God, who is our provision, is also their provision. They need to hear. We can sit here and say amen to the reality of the truth that has been presented to us here in Genesis chapter 22. We know the story. We glory in what God has done for us. We look ahead to the cross. We say thank you, Jesus, for that. And then we sit and we dwell in that and forget that he who provided for us provided for those people out there. And they have to have their opportunity to respond. Say, Pastor, what if they don't? Can I say this? I don't mean this curtly or anything. Their response to the negative is not your issue. It is not your issue. What is our issue is to go where God tells us to go. And to go as God has told us to go. And to do what God has told us to do while we're out there. Because Fountain Hill needs to know that God is our provision. God is their provision. Let's not just sit here and say, thank you, Jesus, for my salvation. And stop there. Let's thank Jesus for our salvation. And let's thank the Lord, who is our provision. To show us where to go, how to go, what to do when we get there. To share with these people the God who is also their provision. Would you bow your head with me this morning? I ask you this question first of all. Anybody and everybody that's gathered here this morning. Do you know? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as your personal Lord and Savior? Is there no doubt in your mind, in your heart, in your spirit this morning that Jesus Christ is your Lord and He's your Savior? Say, well, Lord, uh, Pastor, I hope so. This is not a hope so thing. Either God through His Son, Jesus Christ, is your provision or He's not. There's no middle ground here. And if you have at one time in your life by faith put your trust in Jesus and you've called on him and you said, Lord, I can't do this on my own. I'm a sinner and I can't fix it, but I trust you. I put my life into your hand. I put my eternity in your hand. If you know there's a time that that's happened in your life and you were sincere in that time, here's what you can know. God doesn't play games when it comes to this. If you have called out to him, 
you can know that you're saved. But if you can't think of a time, and I'm not, I'm not saying you have to be specific. I'm just, I'm just saying you, you have to know that there has been a time that you put your faith and trust in Jesus. You need to do that today. And I've got to say this to you. We don't do this to make you feel uncomfortable. We don't do this to put you on the spot. I hope you understand we do this because we sincerely believe that the only hope for any of us is in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And more than you need your next breath, if you don't know Jesus now, you need Jesus right now. I'm going to be here at the front. I'd love to talk with anybody. There'll be some deacons up here in the front, and they will be glad to pray and talk with anybody this morning, especially those who today want to say, I want Jesus as my Savior. Would you pray with me? Yes, we will. And then we will rejoice with you in what God has done. What God has done. Secondly, if you are a child of God and you say, you know what? I don't walk much like Abraham. I decide for myself where I'm going to go. I decide how I'm going to get there. And I decide what I'm going to do when I get there. And God will just have to like it. And we would never say that to God, at least verbally. But many times by our actions, that's the very thing we say to God. But maybe the Holy Spirit has worked in your heart, my brother and my sister, where you're ready to say, you know what, no longer. I don't want to go anywhere where God does not lead me. And I don't want to go in any way that God is not showing me. And I don't want to do anything that God has not instructed me to do in him. And maybe God's brought you to that place and, and you want someone to pray with you. Again, we'd be glad to pray with you. The steps are open here. Maybe you just want to grab someone's hand and say, would you come pray with me? I want to turn this over to God today. But I want to walk as God's child. And I want, to, I want to walk in such a way that my life and my words speak to the world around me that Jesus Christ is God's provision for all mankind if they'll just trust him. Finally, if God's brought you here and he wants you a part of this church family, I encourage you to follow his leadership. We'll receive you with open arms. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for those who are gathered in this place. Lord, let us not walk out of here without realizing, first of all, God, you are our provision. You don't just provide things. You are our provision. Now, Lord, give us ears to hear. Lord, if there's someone here that doesn't know you yet, may your Holy Spirit speak to them. Give them ears to hear your Holy Spirit. Or bring them to the place they're willing to cast aside all the old things of their life and put their faith and trust in your son, Jesus. And Lord, as you look at your church, your people, give us ears to hear. Let us hear what the Spirit has to say to the church today. What the Spirit has to say to me, to us. And Lord, find a responsive people, your people today. Holy Spirit, do whatever you want to do in the next few moments to bring us where you want us to be. Give us ears to hear. Give us faith to follow you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing. Give you an opportunity to respond to what God's saying to your, to your li- in your life right now.